And I just remember it was as if someone hit, hit a reset in my brain. I suddenly thought, what am I doing? I have been given this life and I'm sitting on the sidelines watching myself destroy it. Hello and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share tips, tricks, and hacks on how to practice gratitude daily. Whether you're a gratitude guru or you've lost your gratitude journal once again, we've got you covered. We share personal and authentic stories from our guests who are entrepreneurs, business professionals, parents, caregivers, and everyday human beings just like you and I. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm an intuitive business and health coach. And I'm here to inspire you to choose to wake up with gratitude every single day. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. It's Julie Boye here, and this week I'm welcoming Heather Craig to the podcast. Heather hails from Melbourne, Australia, and is currently a PhD candidate in public health and preventative medicine at Monash University. And the topic of her thesis is optimism and health in older adults. I invited Heather to be on the podcast after I read an article she wrote on positivepsychology.com all around the science behind gratitude. I'll post the link to the article in the show notes. It is one of the most comprehensive articles on the science behind gratitude that I've ever seen. What I didn't expect when I reached out to Heather was that she herself would have a very powerful, life-changing story all around gratitude. I do want to mention a content warning before we get into the episode. Heather has overcome a battle with anorexia nervosa, and she also mentions a time in her life where she did survive a suicide attempt. We do have a wonderfully uplifting conversation, however, and talk about the science behind gratitude and some of the different studies that she looked at, as well as talking about different gratitude tools that we can use in our own lives. It's a really great conversation, and I love that Heather was open to sharing a very personal story with us here, and I hope that her story inspires some of you to perhaps make some changes in your own life, uh, especially when it comes to adopting a gratitude practice. If you're listening and you're currently struggling with an eating disorder, I hope that this podcast gives you the nudge that you need to ask for the help that is available. You are worth it. You are an incredible human being just by being you, and I want you to know that even though we've never met, I love you, I care about you, and I think you're an amazing human being. I wanted to mention a program that I'm running starting January 23rd. It's called Elevate Your Mental Well-Being. If you're feeling depleted, if you feel like you're lacking community and connection, and you feel like self-care is a buzzword that you've heard too many times, this might be the program for you. This program is ideally for women between the ages of 35 to 55 who are looking to make themselves a priority over the next month. Much more than spa visits and bubble baths, we're going to talk about all the ways that you can elevate your mental well-being in just a few minutes a day. The program also includes yoga classes, gratitude meditations, a laughter yoga sessions, and a number of different workshops. To gather the information you need to see if this program is right for you, please visit my website, wakeupwithgratitude.com. Click on wellness programs and all of the details are there. I'll also link to it in the show notes. With that being said, let's welcome Heather Craig to the podcast.
Hello, friends. Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm very excited to invite Heather Craig today to the podcast. Now, before we get started, I just want to um, acknowledge that I am here today um, speaking from the unceded territory of this Nanaimu First Nation. And um, I just want to thank Heather for the reminder to honor where I am. So Heather, I know you'd also like to say hello from where you are. Hi, Julie. I'm coming near to you from Melbourne, but I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which I'm meeting with you today, which for me is the owners of the Kulin Nation in Australia. Thank you so much, Heather, for that great reminder. I think it's so important to acknowledge where we are, especially where, you know, I'm in an unceded territory. So I appreciate the reminder. It's not something I always do at the beginning of podcasts, but it it is something that I would like to be better at remembering. So thank you for that, Heather. Oh my goodness. Okay. So let me give you a brief introduction to Heather because first of all, as she mentioned, she's coming to us from the other side of the world. She is in Melbourne, Australia. She's currently um, a PhD candidate in public health and preventative medicine at Monash University. And she is like me, very passionate about gratitude. So I found Heather through a very popular article that she wrote on positivepsychology.com, which is about the science behind gratitude. So I found Heather on LinkedIn and I reached out and I said, I have this podcast on gratitude and I would love to talk to you about the science of gratitude. But it turns out that Heather has a very personal reason for why she's so passionate about gratitude. And I knew that I had to have her as a guest. So Heather, I love to start the podcast by having my guests share a little bit of their personal story. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with us, you know, some of your background. Thank you, Julie. Oh, goodness. How do I sum up the last 38 years <laughs> succinctly? Um, nearly 39. I can't believe I'm nearly 39. That's a bit scary. Um, I grew up in a household where... Uh, I guess love wasn't really expressed uh, openly and that was really challenging. And when I turned 15, I actually had the the blessing to travel to Japan on a scholarship and I stayed with the most gorgeous Japanese family who I'm still in touch with today. But suddenly when I was over there, I was just overcome by this sense of how families other families treat one another and when I came home from that trip this was long before the days of Instagram and instant online connection so I couldn't reach out to my friends in Japan without writing a long letter that would take two weeks to get there and then two weeks to come back. So I came home and I fell into a very deep depression And for a long time, I guess, I restricted food as a way of, I guess, expressing the fact that I didn't love myself. And within a couple of months, I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa, which is an eating disorder. And it was really unexpected for me. I was a high achieving student. On the outside, I appeared happy and successful. And what followed was uh, many years of struggles and hospitalization and 
being fed by tubes and eventually, uh, just over four years ago now, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, I lost my sister in 2013. She took her own life. And the year before that, I had lost my dad, who I was estranged from at the time. And I think at the end of 2017, both my mind and my body just could not take that battle any longer. I became acutely medically unwell and mentally I was an absolute mess, to be honest. I couldn't see any future without my eating disorder and I just couldn't see myself living with it for many more years. So on the 4th of November, I actually took a massive overdose. I was missing for close to 48 hours um, and eventually I was found, thank goodness. I was treated in intensive care for a week and then uh, moved to a psychiatric hospital. And two days after that, because my physical health was so poor, I ended up um, transferred to St Vincent's Hospital here in Melbourne. And I think that it was a Sunday morning. I remember that really clearly. And the last thing I remember for weeks was losing consciousness. And I guess the scary thing about that was I had this tremendous sense of relief. Thank goodness this is over. Um, I was very lucky. I was um, treated medically for weeks at St Vincent's. But on the 4th of December, four years ago, I went into a prolonged seizure. I had to be resuscitated. And it's very strange, but coming out of the recovery suite is the first memory I have of uh, almost a month. And I just remember it was as if someone hit, hit a reset in my brain. I suddenly thought, what am I doing? I have been given this life and I'm sitting on the sidelines watching myself destroy it. So I began eating. <laughs> uh, the week before I was resuscitated, the medical team had planned a six-month inpatient treatment order. Um, but on the Monday, when I suddenly woke up, I love the title of your podcast, Wake Up. That was just, I did. I woke up and I started eating. I had never tasted such good food, even though it was literally hospital sandwiches and packet biscuits. I just ate them all. And four days later, I was actually discharged home. And that was really the turning point for my life. Um, I suddenly just wanted life more than anything. And I was so, so grateful that despite my wish for everything to be over, I suddenly had a second chance. Heather, first of all, 
I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for honoring me and my community by sharing a very difficult story. That's, I mean, yes, I'm also grateful that, because I only know the Heather Craig that wrote this incredible article about (laughs) gratitude, right? Like, I don't know the story behind and everything that happened. Mm -hmm. And I really want to just honor you and say thank you for sharing your story with us, you know, as we start the podcast. So in your story, there were some moments there that I really caught my attention and you mentioned the reset. So you, you had a seizure. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, is it possible that that like changed the way your brain was working? Is it possible? It is possible. And that's what I'd really like to um, learn more about is that um, it was almost as if someone just flicked a switch and uh, yeah, I woke up and it was different. Yeah, that is, I mean, it's amazing. So, you know, for those that have been around the podcast for a little bit, you know, my podcast is called wake up with gratitude because I survived a life-threatening bacterial infection after my second miscarriage. And so I do understand like the feeling of that waking up and that, you know, feeling grateful for everything, but I was already kind of doing a gratitude practice before it was already part of the way that I lived. Did you like, was that something you were doing before was gratitude and any kind of gratitude practices Did that show up in your life before this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess being in treatment for a long time, they did encourage lots of journaling and gratitude practices And I actually had a, I'm not sure if you know Gretchen Rubin um, from that, yeah, I had a five-year happiness diary that I was actually using um, for, I'm trying to work out when I would have started doing that, but I did write one sentence each night. And actually, I've still still got all my journals and diaries (laughs) in my cupboard and it's amazing looking back at that five-year one-sentence diary because the shift from what I was grateful for during the peak of my illness was so different to after. Yeah. I. It's interesting. Um, I was just having a kind of a, a debate on LinkedIn with another gratitude expert, you know, about the value of gratitude journals. And this expert was just saying that they didn't think that gratitude journaling was the right way to go about gratitude. And I thought, I'm not sure if I agree. Cause like one of the things I love about gratitude journaling is you have that record of what your perspective was like at that moment in time. And you can see your own journey in your, in your words. Right. So do you find it hard to go back sometimes to look at that time? Uh, I do. And I don't. Uh, it's something actually that I do if I find myself struggling a little bit. I go back and particularly the journal that I was writing, the October and then the November, well, November didn't get much writing, but no. <laughs> um, it just reminds me every day, like, this is how far you've come, Heather. Like, don't let it go. Hold on to it. Yeah. The only, so I've been writing in a gratitude journal every night for over 10 years. And the Mm. only gap in my journal is the two weeks when I was hospitalized. 
Yeah. And I even brought, I don't know about you, but I, but you probably weren't, I, I went to the hospital, like I, on my own, but I packed a bag, mm. like not on my own, mm-hmm. my husband obviously took me, but I packed a bag and my gratitude journal came with me to the hospital thinking that mm. I would be writing in my, I obviously did not write in my journal, <laughs> but, um, you know, my sister came to visit me while I was, you know, in the, in the coma and she wrote in my journal for me, you know, like, oh. right. Like I, and just like telling me like, everyone's praying for me and it's going to be okay. And we're going to get like, and I look back and I, I mean, it's obviously very emotional, but, um, I like having that sort of memory of that time. And it, sometimes it is a good thing to look back and see how far you've come. Now, speaking of how far you've come, Heather. Okay. So this was like four years ago. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but then you had a change in the direction of your career, right? So you, from what I understand, um, you have, you studied originally in psychology. So your, your bachelor or your undergrad is in psychology mm-hmm. and tell me this story about how you decided to go for your PhD. Mm. So I was incredibly lucky to come across the most amazing woman. Um, her name is Kelly and it was actually in, I think at the end of 2018, uh, she knew that I was a passionate writer. Um, I That's my way of communicating. I write everything. And she saw that positivepsychology.com um, were looking for writers. And she sort of messaged me and said, oh, you might want to look at this. And before I knew it, I had what was then my dream job, which was professional writer. And I began working for positivepsychology.com and I think, interestingly, the turning point was trying to write these articles relying on Google Scholar because I didn't have access to a university database of journals and it was incredibly frustrating. And as I was writing, I thought I could do this so much more effectively if my research skills were better and if I had access to academic journals and a network of academics. So I guess doing a PhD had been something in the back of my mind for many years. When I left school, I actually enrolled in medicine to become a medical doctor Um. So becoming Dr. Heather had been a vision. Um, As it turned out, medicine was not for me. But it ended up that in, I think, in early 2018, I thought, this is it. I'm going to start looking into this. And it was, I think, a few months later, I met with a supervisor at Melbourne University Um, And I was in the process of putting together a PhD application. But what I did, the day of the meeting, it was a, um, must have been spring. It was quite a warm day. So I just, me being me, I'd stuck my journal in my backpack for the trip to the university. And also me being me, I was there early because I'm a chronically early person. So I found myself in... (laughs) in the basement of Melbourne University in a student cafe and I started writing this story um, 
because when I'd been in St. Vincent's so acutely unwell, I was quite confused and I would call the doctors duck because I, I was trying to abbreviate it to doc. Okay. And somehow the doctors became ducks. Um, <laughs> so that that day at Melbourne Uni, I started writing this story about a little duck, as in a little doctor, and the little duck's adventure. Now, I didn't end up uh, doing that particular PhD, um, but I did keep writing the saga about the little duck. It eventually evolved into a story about a hedgehog, believe it or not. I like hedgehogs. <laughs> okay. Tell me. Yeah. yeah. So continue. Sorry, the duck was um, going through, and it was largely a creative expression of my own personal journey. And I, at the time when I was in St. Vincent's, I had a small plush hedgehog, which was named Spike. So when I was writing this story about the duck, I introduced this character, Spike. And to cut a long saga short, Spike was the hero of the story and ended up conquering the evil man and... It was very creative, but it was my way of expressing my journey. Yeah. 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 And it wasn't until the beginning of 2019 that I successfully um, lined up a PhD. Um, But in that time, I think... I, that was when I truly began my journey of healing um, and writing that story was a huge part of it. We'll be right back to the podcast in just a few short moments. My friends, I have a gift for you. I created a beautiful gratitude meditation that you can download directly to your phone. What I love about this gratitude meditation is that it's a great way to start your day And I encourage you to turn your phone on airplane mode before you go to sleep. And the nice thing about having a meditation that's downloaded to your phone is that you don't need to turn your phone off airplane mode before you start your day with gratitude. So to access this gratitude meditation, please visit bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. It's all one word and gratitude, love, and letter are all capitalized. So that's bit.ly forward slash gratitude, love, letter. As a bonus, I'll be sharing with you my weekly gratitude, love letter into your inbox. It's something that will bring joy and happiness and of course, gratitude to your inbox every single week. That way you'll never miss another episode of the podcast You'll hear about other podcasts and blogs and articles that I find interesting and want to share with you. And I also share some of my favorite photos that I've taken that week. So if we're not connected on social media, you'll get the best of wake up with gratitude in your inbox as well. All right, friends, let's get back into this episode of the podcast. Oh my goodness. So many 
Because again, it, the time does not seem like it hasn't been that long since you were in the hospital, no. really. And, no. and you know, and you you have this incredible way of living and this incredible attitude towards life. And I love that you shared too, that you used your, cause your creative expression is writing. And that's, what's interesting is, you know, we all have our strengths. So I wrote for a really long time and I still write, I wrote a book, you know, many years ago, I wrote a book um, called 30 days of gratitude and I write a blog and all these things, but my really the medium where I do best is through this podcasting medium, the interviews, like that's really of all the mediums I've tried. I have a YouTube channel, you know, this has become my place uh, to actually do my work the best. Like you said, you do your best work as a writer. And I love it because you wrote me a, a beautiful story when I first met you to tell me about your background. I was like, this is so amazing. And so I love that you use that for part of your healing and What's super interesting, Heather, is that we have so much in common. It's so interesting. I am also like, if you're not early, you're late. Like that's me. You know, there's always one or two journals in my backpack whenever I go anywhere. And interestingly, when I had my first miscarriage, which did not land me in the hospital, but my first one, which was, you know, about a year and a half after I had my daughter or two years and a half, I wrote my first book and that was my healing process. Mm. So it was part of my mm-hmm. healing process as well. Now, did you ever, it sounds like a beautiful children's story. Like, did you ever publish it? I did it. Um, parts of it got incredibly dark. Okay. Um, and believe it or not, I thought about editing it for something that could be published. And it just didn't feel... Um, one day I would love to give voice to my story as me. Yeah. Okay. It felt, yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, not that it had to be published by any, of course, like yeah. all right, most writing doesn't publish, you know, but you are a writer for a living. So that's why I asked. <laughs> so um, you got accepted for, so tell me a little bit about the work you're doing right now. I want to get back to the work you did with the positive psychology mm. and the gratitude. We're going to talk about that, but I'm just curious about the work that you're doing right mm. now. So it's public health and preventative medicine. And did you start that in 2019? Yeah. Okay. So I think it was in March 2019, I enrolled in a master's of philosophy okay. at Monash because I think that in in a critic in my head thought, Heather, you can't do a PhD. What are you thinking about? You're crazy. It's only, you know, you can't do it. And I met with my supervisory team and they helped me choose my topic, which is actually looking at optimism, so another positive psychology um, topic, and health in older adults. And a few months into it, they said, why aren't you doing a PhD? (laughs) So uh, at my confirmation, which was December of 2019, um, I went through the process of articulating up to the doctorate. Um, so I've officially been a PhD student since last year. Okay. It's just yeah. an interesting time to be working in public health and preventative medicine. Oh, well, it's funny. I stopped. People would say to me, oh, what's your PhD in? And technically it's in epidemiology. And prior to COVID, that's what I would say. But now there's no way known. I would tell people I was 
PhD in epidemiology. But yeah, so definitely not. I agree. It's it's a tricky time um, for sure. When I read that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So is your work still around optimism and in, in mm-hmm. health and older adults? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my thesis okay. um, topic. Yeah. Amazing. I feel like it's an, a very, again, a very interesting time to study optimism and loneliness and all these things mm-hmm. that really affect our mindset and how we feel. So, um, so let's get back to the gratitude piece of it. So mm-hmm. you, um, you know, you come out of this experience, you have this like mindset of gratitude, you end up writing for positivepsychology.com. So how did you get specifically into the gratitude piece of what that work is? Yeah, so it was great working with positivepsychology.com. Um, we would, I would receive a brief from um, the my boss at the time and I ended up writing different articles about all sort of topic and I think um, the gratitude one just really um, resonated with me uh I remember getting that topic and just thinking finally something I don't have to really invest a lot of time reflecting about because it just felt like me that gratitude piece so yeah oh wow that's amazing so were you already doing your own gratitude practices before you did the research for the article yeah, yeah, I was. So I continued um, writing a gratitude journal um, after the five-year Gretchen one run out of pages. I then had a three-year one that was from Kiki K. I'm not sure if you know Kiki K. Um, it's a Swedish stationery company. It's like the IKEA of stationery. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so I, I completed the three-year one, but then I think last year I actually had to buy a new gratitude journal I couldn't find a sentence a day one so I am a big fan of them I just uh the lot the ones I've been using recently it's just a blank one inside but it's uh Peter Mm -hmm. Popper Press they're out of the UK and they their designs on their cover Mm -hmm. are really stunning and beautiful and it feels nice on my hands so I mean I have I usually have about five or six different journals going at a time So I have a day timer. I do use a calendar, an electronic one, but I put everything in a day timer. I have a podcasting journal. I have a business journal. I have a notebook that I take notes from all my, you know, because I do a lot of online courses that I take. And then I have a gratitude journal. Oh, and I also have a moon journal for the phases of the... (laughs) (laughs) So I have six six journals going on right now. So, you know, I feel you in the whole keeping my journals. Do you keep like, do you have separate journals as well for other things? Yes. As a writer? The morning journal, which is the reflective one, and then the gratitude one is the night one. Okay. Um, and then I have similarly a paper diary and a research journal. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. Okay, so let's let's get in. Let's dive into the science. Um, I've loved mm-hmm. hearing your story and how you got to this place. So let's just dive into some of the science around gratitude because – I, what I found is that your research that you had done putting together, there's a lot there. So we're absolutely going to link to that article because there's no way we can go through everything in the, in a podcast because you did the research for us. Like you put together 
so many articles because I feel sometimes when you Google the science of gratitude, you kind of end up with always the same articles, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Robert Eamons, like that kind of, that stuff always comes up, Mm -hmm. but you went and found so much more research that I had not known about. So I really appreciate it. So talk to me a little bit. I think one thing for me around gratitude, because I have a business that is about well-being and mental health and, and, you know, optimal nutrition and all these things. I'm curious about gratitude and well-being. Mm. Yeah. I think what I love about positive psychology is it just makes so much sense. Um, and I guess that's what really hit me when I wrote that article was that it seemed sort of obvious that if we're more grateful, um, our health is better. Mm. Uh, But doing all that research, I found lots of interesting things like that gratitude is associated with lowered risk of mental, well, ill health. Um, It's associated with higher positive emotion and less negative emotion. Um, it also promotes our satisfaction with life, which is just so important. Um, with the work I was doing back then, I was looking a lot about um, psychological well-being, which is really that sense of life being meaningful and being connected and having purpose. And gratitude is really strongly linked with that. I guess being grateful for what we have um, helps us feel that life has meaning. It's, and you and I both know that when you nearly don't have that life, you just value it so much. I love what you said there about, you know, gratitude being a key to this life being meaningful, right? This having this Mm. practice of gratitude helps really life to be meaningful because what I've found, and this is not specifically the science behind it, but it's that when we are living in gratitude, when we practice it throughout our day, like you said, you, you do what I, I always share, which is you bookend your day, right? You're talking about the, Mm. you have your morning practice and your evening journal and the bookends of gratitude. And it does, it makes Moments that you might miss otherwise, mm. and it brings meaning to them and it mm. allows you to be more present. Mm. I've just noticed even recently um, I'll be out and about and I find myself grateful for the most small things to others perhaps. I remember one day last week, I think it was might have been the day I emailed you or a few weeks ago, I went for a walk and all of the garbage bins were out and there was this sort of yucky garbage bin smell and my first reaction was like, oh, that's gross. But then I sort of thought, hang on a minute, I'm living in a beautiful country and people are going to come and empty these bins. Isn't that just amazing? Like, yeah. I mean, it ironically is my garbage collection day. So yes, I agree with you, (laughs) but it it is, but I remember, okay. I don't know if you had this in Australia, but here in Canada, we had at the beginning of the pandemic, people were putting hearts on their garbage cans to thank the garbage collectors because we didn't know how this virus was transmitted. People were scared, right? We just didn't understand it. And so garbage collection all of a sudden became something 
a little mm. more dangerous, especially if it wasn't mm. automated. Right. So yeah. where I live now it's automated. The truck just picks it up. But mm-hmm. you know, where I lived before that someone was like picking up your garbage mm-hmm. and putting it in a truck and they were at more risk at that time. We just didn't know. So mm. it is true. When you said that about the garbage, I said, this is actually something that I think about. I think of gratitude yeah. for the person that picks up our waste. And I mean, even in where I live, I'm Vancouver Island. There are lots of places that don't have garbage pickup yeah. at all. Right. Yeah. Yep. You have to go to the dump. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. Is that a thing in Australia? Like we have dump bears here. So when you go to the dump, you usually end up dealing with bears because that they like the dump for obvious reason. Is that the same? Like actual bears? Like live animals? Yeah. Oh, no, we we didn't have bears in Australia. No, I just felt like... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is there an animal that, you know, if someone... uh, Maybe you don't have that. So we just know that when you... You go to the dump, there's going to be wild animals that are kind of, you know, patrolling your odds. I don't know if it's the same where you're uh, in Australia. Strangely enough, it's the seagulls. Oh, I have very so in Australia, we call it the tip. We call it the tip. Oh, yeah, the tip. Yeah, yeah, the tip. And we have, I have many memories of as a young girl going to the tip and these seagulls just sort of enjoying the garbage. So it's all very um clinical now. Everything's separated and yeah. Yeah, I agree. But the, the seagulls are still there. But it is, it's so easy to take for granted. And I mean, where mm. I live, we have a really mm. robust recycling program. So if you follow the program, you can recycle a mm. lot of stuff and it actually gets recycled. It's not just like dumped somewhere and mm. you know, never seen again. Like we have a very robust program here in my particular province in Canada. So again, that's something that we can be grateful for, but we forget. So I love that you, you know, that, that well-being, the connectedness, the positivity. Um, I also, I don't know if you made a note about this or not, but there are, I saw some of the studies that connected gratitude specifically to our health. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I can say that like anecdotally, but it's always great to hear a little bit about some of the science behind that, that part of it. Yeah, I think um, there was some really interesting research and perhaps that was subconsciously what I was bringing to my research with optimism. Um, So it turns out that um, gratitude actually is associated with less pain, Um, the experience of pain. It's associated with less frequent visits to the doctor, which is an interesting one. And lower blood pressure. So, and even um, in the case of terminal illness, which is obviously so devastating, the research suggested that gratitude helped people to cope and manage in those final moments. Um, So, yeah, it's exciting it's really exciting it's exciting to see the science behind things that Mm -hmm. we've seen anecdotally I agree Mm -hmm. like I think I know as someone who uh you know has been in the field of nutritional supplementation and new scientific Mm -hmm. research and all that like I've just been I really am fascinated by all the science behind it and Mm -hmm. there is a very limited scope of body of work specifically around gratitude and how it Mm -hmm. helps us uh specifically but the you know the gratitude and decreased pain um 
I have a wonderful uh, woman who's been a guest, and I, I know I'm going to connect the two of you, Lauren Blanchard Zalecki, and Zaleski, sorry. And she is, um, she has a book on a book. She has a, she does have a book, but she also has a group mm-hmm. on Facebook called and the attitude of gratitude for chronic pain. Ah. And so she created this community on Facebook for people with chronic pain to come and practice gratitude together. Mm-hmm. And it's not a place where you complain. You just, you focus on, cause everybody, you know, pain is comparative. Like we don't, my pain and your pain. I mean, we both had like near death experiences, but my pain and your pain, we can't compare them, right? It's just not, it's just not possible. So um, they have a couple of days a week where you can come if you need to vent, but the rest of the time, the whole group is focused on gratitude. And you read these anecdotal stories about people that the group has helped them, you know, with their pain. And also, cause it takes their focus off of it. And also you mentioned end of life. Um, a gentleman from the group uh, did just pass. He was terminal and he knew it. He was in the group and people were aware but he stayed grateful right till the end. Mm. And one of his family members wrote when he was memorialized that, you know, this group had, had helped him with the transition. Mm. Like when you said that, I was like, I saw that happen to a person mm. in real life. So, mm. so yeah. Oh my gosh. It's really interesting. And it's really interesting. Something that I'm learning quite a lot in my own research is that it's so complementary. So when we're grateful, it means we're also more likely to be physically active, which then can promote our health. So it's it's really interesting the pathways between yeah. gratitude and our health because and we don't know a lot about those intermediary steps and how being grateful, like it helps us live longer. And I guess the real question is how, why? It's interesting, but for now, I think it's just exciting to acknowledge that in itself. Yeah, exactly. So is that now, when you said, is this part of the work that you're doing right now, like with your optimism work, like does gratitude fit into that? Uh, Not too much because they're quite quite separate. Yeah, Um, one's more of a practice as opposed to a way of... Yeah, and they're quite... um, they are very closely related. Sure. Um, but I guess um, something I, I spoke about in the article as well is there's actually tools that can assess our gratitude um, oh. and our optimism as well, and they're, they're different. Um, they've been developed by psychologists and uh, largely psychologists, and they have basically captured what makes a grateful person and designed tools to measure that. Oh, so is this something? Yeah. So we'll definitely, I definitely want to look into that and I'll want to, that's so interesting. I yeah, I'd yeah. love to learn more about that. Um, yeah. You know, when you say this, it reminds me of like a quote that, you know, it's like a meme. It's like, it's not uh, the happy people that are grateful. It's the grateful people that are happy right? It's like, it's part of it, but it's, it's a real foundation of the way you live and the way you talk and the way you act, like you personally, Heather, like even you, the way that you act and you live really is like, I just, I love your energy around gratitude first. Right. And also that, that moment where you can at any time you can just decide 
to look for something to be grateful for. It's not that we're walking around, like it's not a, you know, there's been a big toxic positivity, like backlash and everything. And I don't hear that with you. I hear someone who noticed the stinky garbage and then was like, (laughs) how do I, where do I find a gratitude in that? I think the most bizarre um, example of my gratitude was, I think it was last, last year. Yeah, it was last year. I developed a really nasty inner ear infection and I never get sick. Um, I mean, it's strange. I had a near-death experience, but I'm a very, (laughs) overall, I don't get sick. And I remember um, I couldn't get out of bed without all of the vertigo just completely. And I remember thinking at the time, this is bizarre, but I'm a little bit hungry because for so long I couldn't acknowledge that and think I'm hungry And I was sort of lying there thinking, this is strange. I'm really grateful for that, that I'm hungry and I really want to eat some food. And yet I feel terrible at the same time. I feel physically terrible, but I'm really grateful that my body now has those signals. It was just bizarre. (laughs) Okay, but this is so, this is for me, this has been a big uh, aha moment with gratitude over the past, especially for the past almost two years now, living mm. in a global pandemic, mm. is that grief and gratitude can live in the same house. Mm. So you can be in pain and find mm. a moment of gratitude. You mm-hmm. can be grieving and find a moment of gratitude. They don't have to be separate things, especially when you talk about pain, right? Yeah. So you can still find something and acknowledging yeah. it. And it really does, like the science says, it helps the pain to diminish. So mm. that's so powerful. I'm so glad you just shared such a strange example. So, I mean, Heather, you and I could talk for an hour or more still about this, but I think I'm going to, you know, we're going to wrap things up for this episode because I just, I'm so incredibly grateful. You and I are connected in so many ways that we didn't know before across the world, you know, just randomly messaging you through LinkedIn and through this connection. Um, so I'm going to share the article that you uh, did post. Now, if people want to connect with you, is is LinkedIn the best place to find you? Um, I'm happy to pass on my uh, Twitter and Instagram oh, yeah. handles. Oh, yes, LinkedIn. please. Yes. Yeah. I did not even, we're not even connected there yet. So I would love no. that. So what yeah. is your handle? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, it's okay, Heather. We just we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. And I also want to really recommend people connect back to your article because, like I yeah. said at the beginning, it truly is one of the best places if you want to dig into the science of gratitude. Like you have listed so many sources and different places to do the. To, you've done the work, and um, you know, even me, like I've been through it a couple of times, but I have like, there's just, there's so much there. And I really like that because it is, it's harder to find all those pieces. Um, like you said, I, you know, when you said something about having the skill of being a researcher, I was like, that's right. Like it's a skill maybe I had years ago, but not something I have in this world. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you. I'm also happy for people to email me too. Um, my email is, uh, hjcraig83 at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, that's very generous of you to offer 
your email address and you are just such a wonderful human being. I just <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, we are no friends. We went a little bit longer in this episode, but Heather had just had so much to share with us. And I just want to thank you and acknowledge you for the wonderful human being that you are and just say thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, Julie. It's been really lovely. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. For those that stick around to the end of the podcast, I share a story from my personal life with you at the end of each episode. When I was a kid, around 12 years old, I saw my first Ironman triathlon on television. This was the one where one of the female athletes, and I believe her name is Julie Moss, collapsed only a few hundred meters from the finish line and was helped by another participant to cross the finish line. Now, you'd think that if I saw someone collapse at the end of a race, this is something that I would never want to do. But for some reason, this stuck into my head. And I decided at that point in time that it would be great if I could someday do an Ironman triathlon. Now, the thing was, at that time, I wasn't able to run. You see, I'd been a competitive gymnast and I'd done a lot of damage to my knees at a very young age, so I was not able to run without serious pain. The idea stayed in my head, though, and I kept thinking about what it would be like if I could actually participate in triathlon. Many years later, long after I'd graduated from university, I took my first job in a physiotherapy clinic. And at that clinic, I met a wonderful and dear friend named Wendy, who is a physiotherapist, and she helped me start on an exercise program that helped me be in less knee pain. And I started to learn how to run walk on the treadmill again. And the first thing I thought of when I was able to start running again was that I wanted to do triathlon. I joined the local master's swim club. I did have the advantage of being a swimmer. And I bought a bike off of a website online for about $40. That summer, I did my very first race. And in that race, believe it or not, there was a fourth element where we had to kayak at the beginning of the race. So I began my triathlon journey with a quadrathlon, which was a swim, a kayak, a bike, and then a run. The race was so small at the time that my friend, the aforementioned Wendy, won first place overall. She passed me on the run, and I got second overall. Trust me, that was the peak of my placement in triathlon. I think I'll continue my journey to Ironman in next week's podcast, so make sure you stick around to the end, and I'll continue the story. Thank you for listening right to the end of the podcast. I hope this episode inspired you to choose to practice gratitude in different ways than you might have before. If you're not already following the podcast on your favorite app, all you have to do is click on the check mark or plus sign under the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast name to make sure that you're alerted of all the new episodes. If you really enjoy this podcast and want others to hear about it, it would mean so much if you could leave a review on your favorite app. Your review can help others to find the podcast and start to join us in choosing to wake up with gratitude every single day.